Welcome, everyone. It is that time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino. Big things happening in the world of Bellator as they make their debut on Showtime. A couple of uh, back-to-back weekends of great cards. We get a chance to speak to somebody who will be front and center in one of those cards on April 9th. She is a legend. She is a pioneer. One of the greats, and I feel like now I'm making her sound old, and she's really not. She's with us right now. The one, the only, Liz Carmouche is with us. Liz, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. That's not to make you sound old. You just you you are you are those things though. <laughs> those are meant in the most positive way. You're a pioneer. You're a legend of the sport. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, well, give me give me a sense of how things have been going as you get set. You're going to be taking on Vanessa Porto on on April 9th, and and a lot of people looking forward to this fight. Um, you were successful in your debut in Bellator. What was what was the debut like after spending as much time as you did in the UFC? I've talked to a few different fighters that have made that jump, and you know you you want to impress, you want to go out there and make a statement. What was that like for you the first fight? You know, it was good. Um, a lot of the people that work for Bellator, I'm really familiar with from Strikeforce, so it was almost like a homecoming coming back to familiar faces, people I really liked and really enjoyed from Strikeforce, getting to see them all again. So that made that transition really easy. And then with COVID. And having the limitations of crowds and everything definitely changes dynamic, but I feel like it actually did so in a good way. Yeah, as, as far as COVID goes, I mean, you had just the one fight. That, that was in September. Uh, you fought three times in 2019. I, I would imagine, is that the pace you wanted to keep? Had the pandemic not obviously been around, was that the pace? Was that the schedule yeah, that you would have liked to have kept? Yeah, that was the goal, is to have three year, or three fights a year at minimum. If I could do four, that'd be great, one every quarter, essentially. But at least three a year, and then uh, COVID hit. I had one scheduled right amidst COVID, and everything got delayed after that. It, it, as far as, and that's that's an incredible pace, especially, again, you've been in the game a while, and, and I love talking to veterans because, you know, you, you have such a different mentality versus, you know, you know, Liz Carmouche, who's 27 versus 37, you, you have a completely different approach to the game. How, how different would you say you are? I mean, it's, you know, some say, yeah, there's things physically I can't do, but I'm so much smarter and I would beat the 27-year-old version of me. What, what is it that you're better at now, maybe mentally, and what, what is it physically maybe you can't do that a 27-year-old Liz Carmouche could do? I think uh, understanding myself more. I mean, then I felt like I had to train eight hours a day to get what I can do in, in three to four hours. So there's definitely a change. And then recovery, I, you know, when you're young, you really don't think about it. And so you've made some mistakes. You're like, yeah, if I had just taken the time to rest, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, <laughs> so I'm able to understand my limitations, understand when it's okay to take a day off and that it's not a detriment that will end everything if I actually relax and just heal at moments. As far as again back to the switch from UFC to Bellator, did you feel that pressure? That was that was one of the things talking to some of the other fighters that have made that change. Again, talked about just that that feeling of hey, I've I've got to show that they made the right investment that that, that I'm worthy of the the promotion I'm getting and things like that. Did you have any any sense of pressure in that first fight? Absolutely, I think uh, more so with myself and just wanting no longer want to be known as a person that just goes to the decision, but rather somebody that's looking to finish those fights and, and that's always there uh but also you know you want to start off this new chapter with a different organization and do it with a bang so that it's memorable and they're not like well maybe we should show somebody else of course that pressure is there <laughs> uh, but really the biggest pressure it was on myself just i you know i hated that my last few fights have been won by decision and i wanted to show people that that's, that's just not how i do things but that i actually achieve finishes as well 
Well, is as far as your your approach has, has that changed? We're you know again younger fighters going there, and sometimes it's all about let me end this as quickly as possible. I want to land that big shot. I want to get in. I want to get out. I want to do damage and put on a show. Uh, as much as you don't like going to a decision, I would imagine as you've gotten older and you've gotten or more experienced, I should say, that that you, you understand that it's not always that easy. Everybody feels like ah, oh, you just go in there and knock them out. It's not that easy. The, t- the competition <laughs> goes up. And these guys know these girls know how to defend, and these are tough opponents. So the idea of going to a decision not nearly as distasteful as maybe it is when you're younger. Yeah, you know, um, of course, I'm always looking for that finish, and that, that's never that has certainly hasn't changed. But the difference being when you're younger, you kind of dive in when you think you see an opportunity when really your opponent wasn't hurt, and you end up sacrificing what could have been a win for a mistake you make. Whereas I'm right, I'm much more cautious to watch my opponent to be guaranteed that when I'm hunting for that finish, that it's there, and I'm not forcing it. What's your your game plan for this year? Obviously, things are starting to open up a bit. Hopefully, we're going to get to a point where there's going to be you know full capacity with fans and everything will feel as normal as possible. But would you like to get in three fights this year? Or what, what's your goal? Yeah, I'd really love to keep the template that I kept in 2019 and get back to the three fights a year, if not four. I'd really like to to keep up that template. I train all year round, so it's much, each, much, much easier to actually have an intent every time that I go into training and to know that I'm working towards something every few months rather than just hopeful that I get a phone call. Realistically, when when do you think a, a fight for the belt would be on the table? Is it after this fight? Do you feel like you need another win after this fight? Where where do you think that happens? Uh, you know, being that this is another champion coming over for a dip, I certainly hope that a win over Vanessa puts me in that title contention, and I'm not going to have to wait a few more fights. I feel like me putting on a strong finish with my last fight should put me in good title contention now. What, for those, you're, you're a household name for MMA fans. Everybody knows who Liz Carmouche is. But Vanessa Porto doesn't have that profile. She doesn't, she doesn't have that. You're familiar with her, but a lot of fans may not have that level of familiarity. What is it? Give, give me a scouting report. As you watch her, what, are, what is it she does well? What is, it, what is it you can't allow her to do in the cage? Uh, she's what I would call a mixed martial artist. She's not known for being central to one style of martial arts. Rather, she actually is well-rounded in all areas. So she's she's actually has more fights than I do. She's a veteran in the game. And I think that uh, coming into this fight, a lot of people may be familiar with me just because of the UFC. But if they actually follow women's MMA, they should know who Vanessa Corpo is. And she's certainly not slouch. She's strong in every department and an opponent I'm looking forward to. Is, is there a spot, though, where you say, okay, I, I, I have to control the center of the cage, or I can't let her put me up against the cage, or I can't let her get top position on the ground. Is there is there just an area where you know if you get to that spot, all right, I'm fighting her fight now? No, really, uh, I'm going out there and I'm thinking about being the best version of myself. Uh, you know, there's mistakes that I've made where I felt too comfortable in positions and it made my opponent look like they were dominating when really I was in trouble. And that's just something I have to be mindful in every fight. And certainly this one is any different. No matter where we're at, I'm going to keep center of the cage. Uh, if we're on the cage, it's because I'm pushing her onto the cage. If we're on the ground, it's me on top. And that has to be every situation where I'm the one dominating and I'm the one controlling. At, at this point in your career, is there still the same adrenaline? Is there still the same nerves as you as you warm up in that dressing room and you make that walk? You know, I've talked to different fighters. Cowboy Cerrone is one that always sticks out because he's told me and everybody else, for that matter, when he's back in that dressing room, he's sitting there going, why am I doing this? That's it. This is my last fight. I don't want to do this. And then by the time he, <laughs> by the time he gets in the cage, it's great, and he can't wait to get back. You ever have feelings like that? Like, what, what am I doing here? This is nuts. And then you fall in love with it all over again. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that that occurs uh, pretty often. I see like all my fights is that, that same thing where I'm backstage and I'm like, man, especially it's the waiting game. I think is what gets to you the most. It's just having to wait for that fight. And you're like, all right, they're going to go for five minutes. You're like, no, sorry, five more minutes. No, five more minutes. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> so you get all anxious and you get excited. And when you're constantly push off, you're like, that adrenaline just goes up, down, up, down. And you're sitting there wondering, like, why do I do this to myself? Like, nobody wants to go through that, that anxiety and that anticipation. And, uh, but the moment that you hear your name and you cross that threshold, that all goes away. You forget that those thoughts are even there. Have you have you just mastered everything at this point in terms of the weight cut and, and just knowing your body, knowing, okay, if I'm within X amount of pounds the week of the fight, I'm in great position. It feels like it takes fighters a long time to sort of find that balance, and we see a lot of people that look like they're about to pass out every time they step on the scale, and it, you know it's very extreme for a lot of fighters, and it feels like it's a, it takes a while. Are you to the point where I've got this mastered, I understand my body, and I know where I need to be the week of the fight? don't want to be that over-conscious, over-confident uh, person who makes a mistake. I, I certainly think it's different for me at 125. I spent most of my career at 135, and I really had an understanding of what my body was and where I was at with the weight cut. Now at 125, it's a whole different playing field. But I, I feel like I have a better hold on my body at 125 than I did at 135. I feel healthier, stronger, faster. Uh, the weight cut just feels, feels smarter the way that I do it now, surprisingly, when it's a lower weight class. Um, so I definitely feel like there are things that I've learned throughout the process, and I feel pretty confident, pretty comfortable with the whole deal and, and going into it. Do you feel a noticeable difference in just the strength of your opponents when you're fighting at 125? Obviously, you're, you walk into the cage heavier, but do you feel like, man, I, I noticed the difference. These girls feel smaller. They don't feel as strong as 135. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily they don't feel as strong. The, the problem previously was at 135, I walked on the scale at 135. And when I got out of that cage and went into the fight, it was the same thing. I was 135, whereas my opponents, they cut down to 135, and they go back into the cage, they're 155, 160, sometimes even 165 or more. So I'm going in there like, oh, great, my opponent outweighs me by 30 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am, the the person that went on the scale, the person that's walking off the scale and into the fight, nothing's changed. Whereas at 125, it, it seems like, uh, there really hasn't been an opponent that isn't doing the same thing. We're all cutting to that, that weight class, and then we're all even when we go into the cage, so there isn't a substantial weight difference with my opponents. Strength-wise, they feel just as strong as 125. It really just feels like the weight difference isn't there. Like, they don't have that weight to throw around. It's not substantially larger than I am. Deanna, of course, being the exception because she was nowhere close to weight. <laughs> but other than that, uh, other than that, yeah, it's definitely felt at 125, like we're – we're on even playing field. So when you walk into the cage, b- before that bell rings, you, you'll be about 135, you think? Uh, probably smaller. I mean, I, I tend to, to still be smaller than everybody else. But uh, at 125, I don't see that being a deficit the way it was at 135. Okay. Because like I said, at 135, we're talking 20-pound differences. Here, we're only talking like maybe the outweigh me by five pounds. So nothing crazy. Hey, one one more before I ask you how this fight ends. I've got to ask you: Do you how often, if at all, do you reflect on your career? As I said, you're you're a pioneer. You and Ronda Rousey made history with your fight. Obviously, everybody knows about that. But you're you're a name when people talk about the greats. Your name comes up when you're talking about Ronda, or you're talking about Cyborg, or Amanda Nunez, and and pioneers of the sport. Your name always comes up. Is that something you pay attention to, or you think I'll, I'll pay attention to that when I'm done fighting? Yeah, it's really more something I'll pay attention to. I'm done fighting. I'm still writing chapters. I'm still trying to make history. 
and make advances and um, try not to look back. Once my career is over, I'll do that. For right now, it's focusing on, on looking forward and making markers that are just going to keep cementing my place in history. All right, so how does this, again, April 9th, Bellator, Showtime. It's going to be fantastic. Liz Carmouche taking on Vanessa Porto. How does this one end? With another finish and my hand in the air. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Liz, it's it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you once again. It's been way too long. I wish you nothing but the best in this fight, and hopefully uh, we get a chance to talk afterwards talking about a big victory. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much.